Bob here again. This is part two of my podcast topic on suffering. In part one, I shared some thoughts on suffering. In part two, I'm specifically going to give give you 25 reasons why spiritual suffering is good or can be good for God's people. I believe the biggest struggle for American Christians is getting out of their comfort zones. Most of most American Christians have no issues with going to church just so long as the church they attend has coffee and padded pews and central air conditioning. On the other hand, just try to get these pampered American Christians to go out in public and share their faith on the highways and byways and neighborhoods and marketplaces of the land. Brethren, our Heavenly Father has already told us in His Word that He is only going to tolerate His children's spiritual selfishness and cowardice so long. And then pow. He's going to quickly decide to take away our spiritual freedoms and bring judgment to this world. If you are a believer who is over, let's say, 50 years old, and you have more spiritual insight than a fish, you know how quickly the nation has gone from being a morally decent nation to a nation that's nearly completely immorally decadent. Well, brethren, it's hard to imagine that it's going to get any worse, but it will. Only the next phase of this nation's immoral depravity will involve the powers to be coming for God's people. Oh, they won't come for all of God's people. In the near future, the only believers who will suffer will be those believers who choose to stay true to God's written word, even if it costs them their lives. So this two-part podcast about suffering is to encourage the remnant, because it's you they'll be coming after. If our Heavenly Father can't get many of his children to be faithful in this time of ease, then most certainly he will not find faithful people when the going gets tough. Jeremiah 12.5 says, If you have raced with men on foot and they have worn you out, how can you compete with the horses? If you stumble in a safe country, how will you survive in the thicket of the Jordan? Now keep in mind that all the Bible verses that I read are written to and for God's children. These are not verses for unbelievers. These are not verses for lost people. So here are my 25 reasons for why I believe that spiritual suffering can be good. Number one, suffering helps to produce the fruit of patience. It says in Romans 5, verse 3 through 5, And not only this, but we also exult in our sufferings, knowing that our sufferings bring about perseverance. And perseverance provides proven character, and proven character gives us hope, and hope does not disappoint. It also says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32, Remember the former days when, after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of sufferings, partly being made as you were displayed as a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, and partly by becoming sharers of those who were mistreated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you had for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what was promised. For yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come, and he will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if they shrink back, my soul takes no pleasure in them. Here's a little side note thought. Patient endurance is what it takes to be seen as being faithful. And being faithful is what we need to do so that we can receive God's promises. God's children simply need to stop resisting the sufferings that the Lord is bringing into their lives. He's suffering to teach us something. So we need to have patience. I know sometimes it's difficult to figure out if it's the Lord involved in the suffering or not. But he still knows what we're going through. God's people need to get back to thinking spiritually 
when they go through difficult times. Being faithful as you go through your sufferings will produce godly patience. Here's number two. Suffering helps to produce joy. Almost sounds oxymoronic, doesn't it? Suffering and joy. It says in Psalm 126, verse 5 through 6, Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go about planting their seed, but they sing with joy when they get to the harvest time. It says in John 16, 22, So you have sorrow and all, because you see me going. But then you rejoice, and no one will be able to rob you of that joy. It says in Acts chapter 5, verse 40 through 42, They took his advice, and after calling the apostles in, they flogged them and ordered them not to speak in the name of Christ, and they released them. So they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Yeshua as the Christ. So again, some side notes for that. Let's be honest. It's just not natural or normal for anyone in the flesh to be joyous while suffering. So once again, let's get out of the flesh mode and get back into the spiritual thinking mode. And if we are walking with Christ, we will see the hand of God in our suffering and rejoice. Now I know some of you are probably thinking, well, Brother Bob, you don't know what it's like to really suffer. I, I have gone through a very serious suffering thing. I went through a very surge very serious surgery. Part of my lung was taken out. But it was a it was a joy as I went through this walk and this journey with the Lord. My heart was right. I was focused on spiritual things. I had some tremendous opportunities to share my faith with doctors and nurses and people that I normally would not see. When the Apostle Paul went through the kangaroo court system for two years, he got the opportunity to share a lot about Christ through all the sufferings he went through. He didn't whine and complain, and, oh, they're throwing me in jail again, and they don't like me, and they hate me here, and they're sending me here, and they're sending me here. All through that journey, he shared his faith as he was going through them sufferings. The, the third reason is suffering helps to produce the fruit of maturity. Says James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, Consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Luke chapter 13 verse 1 says, And about this time Christ was informed that Pilate had murdered some people from Galilee as they were offering sacrifices at the temple. He said, Do you think these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other people from Galilee? Christ said, no, that is not why they suffered, not at all. And you too will perish unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. And what about the 18 people who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them? Were they worse sinners? No, I tell you again that unless you repent, you too will perish. Part of that suffering matures us in understanding what God's doing in our life. It has us to see how God's hand is active in our life. Brethren, smart people learn really fast that if they do the right things, they won't be punished for doing the wrong thing. Brethren, quit trying to manage your sin struggles with the ways of the world. Just do as the Lord says, and then if you suffer for doing the right things, you'll be blessed. Reason number four is that suffering helps to produce the fruit of righteousness. Since Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, no discipline is enjoyable while it is happening, it's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained by it. John chapter 12, verse 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Brethren, it's going to hurt. It's going to be painful, i.e. cause us to suffer when we choose to die to self. 
and then choose to put him first because our sinful flesh hates being told what to do. And unfortunately, because many times we're a thick-skulled, stubborn people, God has to use discipline, i.e. suffering, to get us to see that we need to grow up. Number five, the fifth reason for suffering to be good is it helps to silence the devil. A great example of that is what happened to Job. It says in Job chapter 1, Then Yahweh said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord, he says, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge about him in his house, and, and you protect him all day long? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But put forth your hand now and touch all that he has. He will surely curse you to your face. Then the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not put forth your hand on him. So Satan departed for the presence of the Lord. Now on the day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were feeding. And then he goes through this thing about explaining how he suffered. He lost family members. He lost sons and he lost daughters. He lost his farm. He lost things happened. His animals were killed. A whole bunch of things happened to Job. It goes on to say, and it says, And Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshipped after he heard all the bad news. He said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of Yahweh. Through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. So some side notes. I can't even imagine what Job went through. It's just mind-boggling. I mean, the faith that that man missed ahead. Now, he didn't do everything right. You know, he started stumbles and bubbles through some stuff, but still pretty amazing faith. So Satan believed that the suffering of Job would defeat Job, and and then have Job deny his faith. Well, from the verses I just read, that's not what happened. I believe the similar scenario happened with Christ. I believe that initially Satan thought he could defeat Christ when he was suffering in the desert. However, the sufferings of Christ in the desert simply made Yeshua rely more on his Father. I also believe that Satan thought he had defeated God when his only son went through all those sufferings and eventually death. But it didn't happen, did he? God had a plan. God had a plan for those sufferings. And we can look back in hindsight and see what those plans were. But just imagine the people there who were followers of Christ seeing all this happen. You can see why most of Christ's followers just kind of fell away for a while because they were thinking emotionally and not spiritually and, and they saw that suffering as a bad thing, an accident, a chance thing, a loss of hope when, again, all along God had a plan for that suffering. Now, not avoiding spiritual suffering reveals one's faithfulness to God. It's easy to avoid suffering by just don't do what God wants you to do. Be that closet Christian. And understanding that the Creator God can do with us as He wishes. We need to understand that. Our Creator can do with us as He wishes. However, one of the benefits of being a believer is we know we have a Heavenly Father who always has our best interests in mind. He's got a purpose and a plan for the suffering. We need to look for it. We need to look what His plan is, what His purpose for our suffering is. So number six is suffering helps to teach us. It says in Psalm 119.67, I used to wander off until you disciplined me, but now I closely follow your word. Psalm 119.71 says, My suffering was good for me, for it taught me to pay attention to your commandments. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, again, verse 10, I read this before in Hebrews chapter 12, but for our heavenly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing it the best they could. But God's discipline is always good for us, so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. 
But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained by it. We need to learn from our mistakes. It is a good thing when we suffer for doing wrong. If we learn from our mistakes. Okay, number seven on my list is suffering helps to purify our lives. It's in Psalm 66.10. For you have tried us, O God, you have purified us as silver. 1 Peter 1, 6 through 7. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various sufferings, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Christ. Isaiah 48.10, Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. It says in Proverbs 17.3, Fire tests the purity of silver and gold, but the Lord tests the heart. If we are not thinking spiritually when the Lord chooses to refine us, will we become whiny? Will we become whiny and selfish, thinking that this life is all about us? So here again, here's a little another side note. You know, I hope you understand we are called to suffer for Christ's sake. Now, suffering that we are called into is not a suffering of sickness or disease. The Lord doesn't want his children suffering because they don't take care of themselves. That would be an unrighteous suffering. Now, we can suffer sickness or disease, and the Lord can use that in a mighty way, but the Lord doesn't want us purposely getting sick, so we suffer. Okay? If we suffer because we're sick, and it was unintentional, and, and God's hand was in it. We need to just trust him for what his plan is. The righteous suffering that believers go through is a suffering that is a result of persecution that comes about because we were faithful to God's word. God is just as pleased with his children choosing to suffer unjustly for righteousness as he was his son suffering unjustly for choosing to be righteous. God is a righteous God. So it, it's in his character to see unrighteous people punished and righteous people bless, but sometimes righteous people go through suffering because God has a plan or a purpose for them. It says in John chapter 5, verses 28 through 29, again, verses written to believers. This is really great stuff here. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come forth. And those believers who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life, and those believers who committed evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. Brethren, unfortunately, because we live in a sin-cursed world of evilness and wickedness, striving to live a life of righteousness is going to cause us to be persecuted, and it's going to get worse. Anyways, let me get back on topic. Number eight, suffering helps us to make us like Christ. It says in 1 Peter 4.16, But it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privileges of being called by his name. Hebrews 12.9 says, Furthermore, we had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them all. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits who also disciplines us? It says 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange things were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory you may rejoice with exaltation. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the dying of Christ, so that the life of Christ might also be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly be being delivered over to death for Christ's sake 
so that the life of Christ may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. I hope you are aware that our Heavenly Father desires that all His children strive to be pleasing children like His Son, Yeshua. Again, the Lord is not seeking to simply add children to the family of God. He desires to add pleasing children to the family. And because we are sinners, there will be pain and suffering involved in our transformational process from our old fleshly ways to our new spiritual life in Christ. And the foolish idea that our Heavenly Father is going to keep us from suffering or protect us from suffering is just foolishness. Now, He can choose to protect us from harm's way, but He wants to use us through our sufferings. Okay, Part of the reason we're going to suffer as Christians, spiritual, spiritually suffer, is because of our faithfulness to God's Word. And if His Son suffered for doing that, why would the Lord hold back His suffering for us? If we're being faithful and we're going to suffer, our Heavenly Father is going to be pleased by that. So number nine, suffering sometimes helps to glorify God. John chapter nine, verse one through three, as he passed by, he saw a blind man from birth and the disciples said to Christ, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Christ answered, it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Can you imagine that? There's a man who lived his whole life blind just so it could come a day when Yeshua would meet him on the road and in a supernatural, miraculous way, heal him from his blindness. Now, I don't have a clue how old this guy is, but just think about that. His whole life, he's been made blind just so there comes a day when God can heal him. We wouldn't think about that, would we? Never. Never in a million years. We would be whining and complaining, and, and you know, all kinds of issues would come up in our life, and it would just be like the last thing on our mind would be thinking, well, I'm blind because God wants me to be blind. It takes a real strong faith to... To praise the Lord when you're going through tough times. I know Fanny Crosby, who who could see for a while, went blind. And through her life, she just praised the Lord for taking away her sight. Because she was able to see with her spiritual eyes and to see with her spiritual mind. And she had a tremendous life with Christ without ever really being able to see what was going on around her. It says in John chapter 11, verse 1 through 4, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with the ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So his sister sent word to Christ, saying, Lord, behold, he who you love is sick. But when Christ heard this, he said, This sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Lazarus, again, didn't have a clue what was going to be going on here. I mean, I'm not going to get into it. I shared a story about this on one of my podcasts. If, if people would have been paying attention, Christ plainly taught them that Lazarus, he wanted Lazarus to die so he could do a supernatural thing to strengthen the faith of these believers, but they didn't see that. And Yeah, I don't want to get sidetracked right now, but it says in 1 Peter 4.16, If anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in his name. Now, obviously, this is a, the suffering here is a spiritual suffering brought on by being faithful. It's not a suffering that's brought on because you did something wrong, because you were doing unrighteous things. You know, uh, if you go through suffering as a drug addict because you decide to abuse drugs, that suffering's not happening so that you can glorify God. Okay, now if you can be healed from that, if you can be faithful and walk away from that drug addiction, then you can glorify God. However, the sufferings that come about because of you being a drunk or abusing drugs, the suffering that comes about because of that is not a suffering that glorifies the Lord. 
Now listen to me, I, I just wonder how many times God's people blow the opportunity to glorify the Lord through their suffering because they whine about their suffering instead of looking around to see how the Lord wants to use them through their sufferings as a way to glorify Him. Secret service agents pledge to take a bullet for those they guard. Considering all that the Lord has done for us, the very least that we could do as children of God is to be willing to suffer for His name's sake. Number 10, suffering helps to prevent us from being prideful. The Apostle Paul is speaking here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. So even though I have received such a wonderful revelation from the Lord, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is sufficient. My power works best for those who are weak. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we read about an arrogant church with some arrogant people in it. The Corinthian believers, there was a man in that fellowship living in an immoral lifestyle with his mother. And the people in that church knew about it and were tolerating it. They were arrogant. They were proudful. So what happened is that the Apostle Paul decided to hand this man over to Satan so he could get beat up on. So that he would learn that you can't do that. And then the Apostle Paul openly, publicly sh rebuked and shamed these Corinthian believers for tolerating that kind of lifestyle in their church. Brethren, suffering, whether it is for sinful reasons or for maturing reasons, should humble us. Sadly, because so many believers in the church are ignorant of God's written word, they don't even see a lot of their behaviors are sinful. So they don't see the reason they're suffering. Number 11, suffering helps to make us confess when we do sin. It says in Judges chapter 10, verses 6 through 7 and 15 through 16, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They served the image of Baal and Ashtoreth and the gods of Aram and Sidon and Moab and Ammon and and Philistine, they abandoned the Lord and no longer served him at all. So the Lord burned with anger against Israel. and he, So he turned them over to the Philistines and the Amorites. But the Israelites pleaded with the Lord and said, We have sinned. Punish us. You keep punishing us. We know we deserve this. Please rescue us from our sin. And the Lord heard their repentance and he relented of his punishment against them. In Psalm 32, verse 3 through 4 King David says, When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was very heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. It says in Second Chronicles chapter 15, verse 1 through 6, Now the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Azah and said to him, Listen to me, Azah and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. And if you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. You hear that? I know there's a lot of songs that sing about God will never forsake us. That's not true. Verse 3 says, For many days Israel was without the true God, and without a teaching priest, and without the law. But in their distress they turned to the Lord God of Israel, and they sought him, and he let them find him. One would think that getting pounded on by the Lord for sinning would be a permanent fix to stop sinning. But sadly, a lot of God's people have become so dependent on the ways of the world, i.e. pills and medicines and psychiatric fixes to take care of their personal sin issues that they have become insensitive to the hand of God in their lives. The twelfth reason that suffering is good is the suffering of discipline helps to get the sin out of us. First Peter 4.17, for the time has come for judgment and it must begin with the household of God. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 through 6 
And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to all his children? He said, my children, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. And don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each of his children as he accepts them. Number 13 says, suffering helps to prove our place as true children of God. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, for the Lord disciplines disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own child. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by his father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and you are not really his child. Romans chapter 8, verse 17 through 18. And since we are his children, we are heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Brethren, the Lord doesn't discipline lost people. He punishes lost people. They're condemned. God disciplines his children because he loves them, and he wants them to do the things that he knows are best for them. Another reason why suffering is good for us, it helps to reveal our true inner self. The prodigal son was out there wasting his inheritance, and he finally came to his senses, it says in Luke 15, 17, and he said to himself, yes, we talk to ourselves. we have a three-part being living in this body, we have a body, a soul, and a flesh, so he was talking to himself, and he said, at home, even now your servants have enough food to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both you and heaven. Isaiah 6, 5 says, Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live as a person of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King and the Lord of hosts. Again, we're t- saying that suffering helps to reveal our inner self. Like I said before, that means that sometimes in our life we have to come along and just talk some sense into ourselves. Luke 20, 23, 39, one of the criminals who's hanging on the cross next to Yeshua started mocking him, saying, are you not the Savior? Can't you save yourself and then save us? But the other one answered and rebuked this criminal, saying, do you not even fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Ultimately, it comes down to us realizing that the Lord always wins in the end. The good Lord's given us the ability, even when we're up to eyeballs and sin, to use common sense and to reason to ourselves and choose to do the right thing. Suffering will get us down that path of choosing to do the right thing a lot quicker. My 15th reason for suffering helping us is it helps us with our prayer life. Isaiah 26, 16, Yahweh They came to you in their distress. When you disciplined them, they could barely whisper a prayer. 2 Samuel 22, 7. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I called out to my God. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cries came to his ears. A a repentant heart is a pretty amazing heart. But sometimes it takes us to be beat on before we get to that point. Let's be honest. Many of us only talk to our Heavenly Father when we're having suffering issues, you know, when life is good and we're just kind of floating along in this wonderful life, we don't talk to the Lord very much. But as soon as we have problems, here we go. Let's go. Let's go talk to God and see if he can help us out again. Number 16, our suffering can become an example to teach others. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but we know the story in Acts chapter 5. Ananias lied and he died. And when he died, the word got out, and a great fear seized all who heard what had happened to Ananias. Well, the same thing happened to his wife, Sapphira. 
And at the moment she died, she fell down, and the men came in and got her body, and they carried it out and buried her next to her husband. And great, verse 11 says, Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. There's also a good story in 1 Thessalonians 1, 6-8. So you received a message with joy from the Holy Spirit in spite of the severe suffering it brought you. In this way, you imitated both us and the Lord. As a result, you have become an example to all the believers in Greece throughout all Macedonia and Achaia. And now the word of the Lord is ringing out from you to people everywhere. This example in 1 Thessalonians is an example of being joyous while suffering. It said, when we honor the Lord, even when we are suffering, it is a great testimony to our faith in God, the God who suffered and died for us. Example 17. Suffering helps to qualify us to become spiritual comforters. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3-7. through 7. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Yeshua Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to come to them and give them the same comfort that God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with His comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same thing that we suffer. Many of God's children do not understand that sometimes the Lord puts us through pain or, and or suffering and then delivers us out of that pain or suffering so that we can comfort others who are about to go through the same kind of suffering we went through and were comforted out of. Brethren, it's impossible to be a comforter to others if we're always whining about the things that are happening in our life that cause pain and suffering. Number 18, sometimes suffering helps to further the gospel. In Acts chapter 8, verse 1, on that day a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem, and they were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. And Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house and dragging off men and women. He would put them in prison. Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. Kind of sounds oxymoronic. They suffered, and then they became faithful. Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. Now, I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else, and that most of the brethren, trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment, have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Brethren, you're only going to know how to respond righteously to this type of suffering if your spiritual head is screwed on straight. Most people avoid speaking out if they know that it's going to cause suffering. Not these saints. Sometimes God's people need to suffer persecution in order to get them fired up to serve. God's people are called to suffer. And if we accept that thought, we will rejoice over the fact that even if the suffering doesn't end in this life, it will in the next life because of our faith in Christ. Brethren, lost people will not see the hope of Christ in our lives if we are living defeated Christian lives. Number 19, suffering can help to remind us who's actually in control. Romans 8.28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Romans 8, chapter 8, verse 35 through 37, can anything separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with life? No. It's the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day, we are being slaughtered like sheep. 
No, despite all these things, the overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. 2 Corinthians 1.5 Just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also is our comfort in abundance through Christ. First Peter chapter 1, verse 6 through 7. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you have to suffer grief because of some of your trials. This has come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, a faith greater than gold, which perishes, and though it can be refined, may result in the praise, glory, and honor when Yeshua Christ is revealed. Again, I've kind of shared this a couple of times, but many times we do not see the purpose of our suffering, especially if you're not thinking spiritually. However, if we are truly walking with the Lord, we need to trust Him for what He's doing in our lives, good or bad, believing He has a plan to either better us or glorify Himself. There can't be a spiritual victory march over suffering if we are not even in a spiritual battle to try to defeat our suffering. Number, number 20, suffering moves us to seek help. This could be in the secular realm. You get a toothache, you got a broken rib, you got something going on inside you, you know what's wrong. When you're suffering, you might go see a doctor. Matthew chapter 9, verse 20 through 22. And then a woman who had been bleeding for many years came up behind Christ and touched the edge of his cloak. And she said to herself, If only I touch his cloak, I will be healed. Christ turned and saw her. He said, Take heart, daughter. Your faith has healed you. And that very moment, the woman was healed. James chapter 5, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Second Samuel chapter 22, verse 7. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. Yes, I cried to my God, and from his temple he heard my voice, and my cry for help came to his ears. There's just some simple logic here, brethren. Suffering drives us to seek help. It's just common sense. Now, we have to examine our heart. If there's suffering in our life because of sin, we need to deal with it and repent. If there's suffering in our life for, and we know our conscience is clear, we know we're walking with the Lord, then we need to seek God's will in that suffering and see what his plan is for us. So even in a secular world, it's usually a good thing to feel physical suffering or pain. If something hurts that's because the physical pain or suffering will move us to seek medical help. It's a blessing that God allows us to feel pain when there's something physically wrong with us. It's the only way we, a lot of times we find out that we have something bad going on inside of us. Number 21, suffering helps to strengthen our faith as it moves us to seek the Lord. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ. First Peter chapter 5, 9 and 10. Resist Satan. Stand firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, comfort, strengthen, and establish you. Psalm 6-2, have mercy on me, Yahweh, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. Number 22, suffering helps prepare us for a greater ministry. John chapter 12, verse 24, Christ said, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Brethren, we need to die to self if we truly desire for the Lord to use us. Again, I'll use the scenario of Christ being tempted in the desert. His faithfulness through his sufferings granted him the opportunity to begin his ministry. 
And I'm sure that Joseph in the Old Testament didn't have a clue that the suffering that he went through at the hands of his brother was just the start of an amazing ministry. If you get a chance, read through 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18. I think it was Mike Tyson that said, Everybody, every time I go and prepare for a fight, I'm ready to go until I get smashed in the mouth. And then it changes my whole strategy. Same with Christians. You know, we're all, we always say we're prepared to serve the Lord and we're prepared to walk in a way that pleases Him, but then some kind of suffering or persecution comes our way and right away we change our strategy. Saints, we need to trust our Heavenly Father when we go through stuff, believing that He always has a purpose or plan for what we are going through. There are many times when the Lord takes our stuff away because He wants us to be dependent on Him. Sometimes taking stuff away causes suffering. And when we yield to that moment of the Lord, when he takes stuff away from us, then he can use us for a greater work. Throughout the scriptures, we read of the Lord taking stuff away from people, which resulted in a temporary suffering, only to see the Lord bless those people more than ever who stayed faithful to the suffering. That's why the Bible reminds Christians to have your mind set on the things above, not on the things down here. Number 23, suffering helps provide us for rewards. Now, there's a lot of verses that cover this topic. I'm not going to have them all, but Matthew chapter 5, verse 10 through 12, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of God is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie to you and say all kinds of evil things about you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very happy about it, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 27, Peter asked the Lord, he says, we've given up everything to follow you, Lord. What will we get in the next life? And Christ replied, I assure you that when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne, you who have been my followers who have been faithful will sit on the twelve thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. Brethren, that's not going to happen just because we're born again. That's going to happen because we're faithful until death. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, This is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. The Apostle Paul goes on to say in verse 18, So we don't look at the troubles we can't see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things we cannot see. For the things we see now will soon be over, but the things that we cannot see will last forever. Revelation 2.10, do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison, so that day and that time you'll be tested, and you'll have tribulation for 10 days. But be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. Brethren, if we suffer for righteous reasons, we'll be seen by God as being a righteous child. And brethren, there are a whole list of eternal rewards, honors, and blessings for those children of God who were faithful in their walk with Christ. I'm so sick and tired of hearing God's people sanctimoniously saying, I'm not serving Christ for the rewards. I'm just serving him because I love him. To which I say, then you are both a fool and disobedient. Christ commanded his followers to pile up treasures in heaven. Reason number 24, suffering helps to make us worthy of the kingdom. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, Dear brothers and sisters, we can't help but thank God for you because of your faith. It's flourishing, and your love for one another is growing. We proudly tell God's other churches about your endurance and faithfulness and all the persecutions and hardships you go through. And God will use this persecution to show his justice and to make you worthy of his kingdom for which you are suffering. 2 Timothy 2, 
Verse 12, if we endure hardship, we will reign with Christ. If we deny Christ, he will deny us. In Acts chapter 14, Apostle Paul said, after they had preached the gospel to the city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue to be faithful, saying, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Sadly for many in the church, the idea of striving to be worthy to be in God's kingdom goes against what a lot of believers are taught. Many believers are foolishly taught that all of God's children will receive the same size piece of the kingdom pie in the next life. That concept is just plain wrong. The scriptures are clear. The more faithful we are, the more that we will be blessed in eternity. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 6-8. As for me, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. As for me, my life is already being poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. A lot of eyes in there, if you notice that. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all those believers who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Here's a little side note. A lot of believers aren't looking forward to the Lord's return. They're so caught up in the world. They smell like the world. They talk like the world. They think like the world. They're going to miss the world. I'm afraid many of them are going to miss an opportunity to be in that kingdom also. Brethren, our loving Father is a warrior God. Yes, he freely offered himself as a sacrifice for mankind's sins. However, becoming a child of God comes with some strings attached. Once we are born again, our Heavenly Father expects us to choose to strive to walk as pleasing children. And that just doesn't happen because somebody got born again or got saved in the past. It's a lifelong choice. In the future, I'm going to do a podcast on what the whole concept of being in God's kingdom is all about. Brethren, having heavenly rewards and blessings in the next kingdom, in the heavenly kingdom, is much more involved than simply being born again. Sadly, there are many in the church who foolishly believe that all of God's children will hear well done at the judgment seat of Christ simply because they are children of God. And finally, number 25, suffering helps to show God's sovereignty. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, These things happen to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. So any of you people in the church age who think we're not at the end of the age, well, if you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. So brethren, what happened to the people in the Old Testament their disobedience, their rebelliousness, and their suffering, their, and their dying, being punished unto death. That was their choice to choose to disobey the Lord. But the Lord is using that as an example for us today so we don't do the same things they do. Again, number 25 here is we're showing that through suffering, it reveals God's sovereignty. Again, I read this verse before, Romans eight twenty-eight, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Again, back in Genesis with the Joseph story, Genesis 45, verses 3 through 5, and then it jumps ahead to chapter 50. But it says, Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? Again, this is years later. He's kind of become an Egyptian-looking person, and they don't really, Joseph's brothers don't recognize him. And finally, Joseph reveals himself to them. Brothers, his brothers could not accept his answer. They were dismayed at his presence. He didn't look like them. Then Joseph said to his brothers, please come closer to me. And they came closer, and he said, I am your brother Joseph, who you sold as a slave. But now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me here before you to preserve life. As for you, 
You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about the present result to preserve many people alive. Yes, we do live in a sin-cursed world, but bad things happen all the time to good people. Now, I personally do not believe that the good Lord chooses to control every single aspect of every single issue that happens on planet Earth 24-7. However, I do believe that on occasion, God reaches into our earthly realm to control things because he has a plan or because it's part of his will. So brethren, we need to keep alert spiritually. Don't be a believer who is spiritually asleep behind the wheel. You might be going through a suffering because God is either trying to teach you something or he's trying to use you for something. Praise God that our Lord doesn't sleep. He sees all things. He knows exactly where we all are 24-7. So let's trust him. So if you are suffering for righteous or unrighteous reasons, don't ever forget that we have a loving father who never takes his eyes off. Unfortunately, he also knows that there are many reasons why he allows us to suffer. So we need to simply trust him as we go through the process. 2 Corinthians 4.16 again. That's why we are not to get discouraged. So even if outwardly we are wearing out, inwardly we are being renewed each and every day. This light temporary nature of our suffering is producing for us an everlasting weight of glory far beyond any comparison because we do not look for things that we can see but the things that are hidden, the things we cannot see. For the things that we can see are temporary but the things that we cannot see are eternal. Your friend in Christ, Brother Bob. And remember, the only way to separate a biblical lie from a biblical truth is to know your scriptures.